We are in a series called In Pursuit. By the way, this message isn't tailor-made around that spotlight. That's a standalone, separate spotlight. Though there are certainly practical things that apply to any topic as God would illuminate it to us. But um, In Pursuit, what does it mean to go for it? That's kind of the message today. Now, i got to tell you, if I could, I was so excited when I saw that I was on this weekend, and I, because we, we picked the speakers for the weekend way ahead, and then we do the series studies with our teaching team, there are eight of us, and then we just assign biblical, you know, we go through the year, we're in a series, here we are, and whatever weekend you fall on, that's the topic you have to study out and pursue and, and discover, and I got Philippians chapter 3. <laughs> yes! It's a great chapter. Probably if I could choose one chapter in the Bible that is me, my personality, what I'm about, it's this chapter. It has some really famous things in it that people actually put on their wall. Like, I want to know Christ, Paul says. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press on. You know, these, these kind of moments in Scripture that people say and they pull out and they, they're reminding themselves. That's what we get to look at today. When we use a phrase like, go for it, there's a lot on the line. So when I say things like, give it your all, like what comes to your mind, just in your mind, a moment in your life, lay it on the line. How many of you have ever said that or someone said it to you? Lay it on the line. How about this one? Leave nothing on the field today. If you don't understand that one, I'm not even going to go there. But anyway, <laughs> leave nothing on the field. These statements are used when there's an intention to do your very best for a certain period of time. And these statements are, in fact, appropriate usually at like a game, a sport that lasts an hour or three or five or a day when you're giving it your all. You know, when you think of like the Olympics where one one-hundredth of a second, even into the thousands, can be the difference between gold and silver. You don't want to be an athlete that goes back to your room and goes, I had, I had a little bit more I could have given. You want to be absolutely exhausted at the end. Why? Because you're giving it your all. Everything you have comes to that moment. But there is a reality check with this. When people say from a God perspective, are you giving it your all? Are you laying it on the line? Well, yes, but I still sleep. You know, if you're raising kids right now, you can't, you can't be at a level 10 24-7 with your kids. You know, especially if you're trying to cook dinner, you're trying to go to work, you're trying to, there's, there's all, if, in my marriage, if I said, you know, make your marriage the high, put it all on the line, level, I wouldn't even be able to preach that. I'd be like, I love you, babe. I love you, honey. Okay, next verse. I love you, honey. Don't forget, I love you. I love you. I lo don't forget, I love you. It would drive you crazy. It would drive me crazy. And it would drive her crazy. So it's not about this, this living in a, in a silly way toward this passion, but Paul is basically saying, do what you can and live with this passion and be pursuing the right things. I was thinking about the first drag race I ever went to in Denver. Anybody been to a drag race? And that when they pull the big cars out at the end, the big rails, you know? And these things can do a quarter of a mile now. I think it's like between four and five seconds. I think the world record might be three-something. But that's like, boom, they're done. 
and it's loud and fire's coming out the exhaust and it's just boom. How come they can't just go 10 miles like that? You know why? How many of you know why? Nobody? The engine will blow up. Yeah, they're using rocket fuel in those things. They're not designed for the long haul. They're designed for those three or four seconds. And some of them blow up before they reach the finish line anyway because they're sucking every bit of power out for those few seconds. You are not called to do that as a believer. There's no possible way. Our journey is more like a sailboat. And you get in, and these days, if you've ever been sailing, and I haven't very much, but I, I was one time where there was actually a GPS on the sailboat that would steer the boat. You put in the coordinates of where you wanted to go, and you set back, and it would take you there. What is the only thing you need to get to your destination? Anybody know? Wind. You, you can't sit there and go, I want to go faster. Lord, I'm all in. Come on. Let's go. Let's get to the destination. No, you go. Ugh. How many of you, your life is kind of like that sometimes? It's, it's like, God, I'm willing, I'm ready. And I see all this ambition, and I'm, I'm chasing hard after God. And God says, okay, why don't you have a seat here? We'll get to you. We'll, we'll, we'll get going here. I'll, I'll let the wind blow here in a few days. We have to sometimes pay attention to what go for it really means. Now, here's what, if you have a program, follow along. A few blanks, some of you are like, it's been turned over. You haven't started on that yet. Hurry up. So I, here I go. God loves you too, by the way. Uh, number one, the work of Jesus is destroyed by legalism. Now what Paul is about to do in, in Philippians chapter 3, if you have a Bible, leave it open there or in your app or whatever, just leave it. I'm going to go verse by verse. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I'm going to read enough verses for you to get the feel for this. He starts his rant about what not to do. So that's important, what not to do. And we should learn to avoid certain things if we're pursuing hard after God. It's not about just running harder, trying harder. It's about doing the right things in the right timing. So here, here he goes, verse 2. Watch out for those dogs. By the way, this scripture has to do with, anytime dogs is used in the Bible, it means someone who is not a person of faith. In these days, they did not have domesticated dogs. Like, how many of you have dogs? I, we loved dogs. Bonnie and I always had black labs. They would die. We'd have another one. We always had two at a time. And I still remember the day the last one got cancer. It was so sad. It's just so hard. I said, I can't do this anymore. The dogs died. The cats died. And I remember all the kids left for college. And it was like, life is so good. It's just the best <laughs> moment of my life we are having a blast but I love I, I'm not happy they died but I'm not with them anymore but um, these dogs are not what Paul's talking about okay these dogs are not what Paul's talking about these are people not of faith dogs in this culture were wild and they ran in packs and they injured children they hurt people they created a mess and so he says those people who do evil those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Where did that come from? That's kind of odd. We'll talk about that. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Way back to Abraham in the Old Testament, circumcision was the covenant with God. 
It was a marking that said these people, this people group, belonged to God. Jesus came. He fulfilled the law. Circumcision was no longer required. So what you had, you had a great move of God among the Gentiles. People were getting saved. And these mutilators, these dogs, these people who were not true people of faith, were coming into cities like Philippi saying to the men, you must be circumcised. And now you have full adult grown men saying, no. Help us, Paul. (laughs) Honestly, I'm kidding a little bit, but I'm not. Paul says, wait a minute, what are you doing? This is is legalism. You don't have to be circumcised. That was a covenant Jesus fulfilled. That no longer applies. We face it in many other ways, not through circumcision. We face it, I, I faced it as a teenager. I remember my dad was awesome, loved God, loved us. And, and I have, he's 99.9% the best dad on the planet. So I'm really grateful, very blessed. But he did not like it when my hair got long. You know, I was 12 or 13. He's like, time to get your hair cut. And I'm like, no, no. I think I, I prophetically could see that the day would come when growing hair would not be my strength. And I just knew as a kid, I need to do this now. I want it to be long. Dad, no, you need to get a cut. Sit in your collar and I'd go get a haircut. He, he died of cancer when I was like 14 years old, so I've, I've said it before. So my graduation picture when I'm 17 from high school, my hair is like really long. It's, my mom didn't care, praise God. You know what I mean? It was just wonderful. But, but we had legalism. Women had to wear certain things. My, my sisters, I have four of them, there was a big challenge on, you know, if they could wear pants and how short their skirt could be and, and how much makeup could you put on. Only prostitutes wore makeup and, and all, you know, jewelry and piercings and tattoos. Well, yeah, you don't even want to go there. And all this stuff, all this stuff that is so man-made. The Bible doesn't address these things. It's just... It's like, it's like legalism is something you love and you want to make it a rule because you love it so much. How many of you like spaghetti? Love spaghetti. Especially with some sausage meat in there, some good hamburger meat. And, and so let's just make a rule. How many of you know Jesus loves spaghetti? How many of you think it would be okay to say, if you really love Jesus, you'll eat spaghetti once a week? That's legalism. You know, it's probably a good rule, but not all of you will go for that. So that's legalism. It's a man-made rule that doesn't really impact what the Bible actually teaches about holiness. And we have all kinds of these in our culture. Paul is saying, pay attention to this stuff and don't get caught up in the stupid stuff. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say, I'm not going to read it all, but in verse 4, if you have your app open or your Bible open, he goes on to say, look, if anyone can boast in the flesh... What is human? I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm taught by the greatest teachers. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was this, I was that. This guy was a a champion. If anyone could qualify by human works, he could. And he says, no, none of that matters. Number two, why is self-reliance so foolish? Well, he gives us some insight to this that matters, and we need to pay attention to it because it still applies in our lives. When you rely on self, it's a problem. So pay attention to how many people in our culture only want to talk about themselves. You ever you notice that? I, 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 I did, I will, I should. I, it's just all my postings on all my social media is about me and what I'm doing and how great I am and my new job, my, 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 everything. So Paul says in verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable. 
all of his accomplishments. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless. And then the next three words are very important here. Say them with me. When compared with. Say them again. When compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In other words, these things aren't valueless in and of themselves. There's no weirdness about getting a, a doctorate or having education or making money. It's just that when you compare it to knowing Jesus, it pales. There's no, there's no way you can even put it in the same scale. That's what he's saying. And then he says, become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, and that's things like circumcision and ritual and all that. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Paul is saying that his calling to follow Christ is much bigger than, than any mandate that could come from a rule from mankind. So we need to really understand, in our freedom to love Jesus, in our freedom to be made a whole person in Christ, you have a lot of freedom and you do not have to conform to someone else's idea of holiness, especially when those ideas are not based in Scripture. Scripture is the road map. Knowing Christ does and will, in fact, change my behavior. What happens, though, is Christians like to get a little bit ahead of God and change someone's behavior before they actually know Jesus. Right? We don't mean to. We, we just know what the Bible says, so we jump right to that instead of giving God time to clean someone up. I remember, I, I experienced this personally as a kid. My dad was pastoring a church in Grand Junction, and it was a wonderful church. And in the, in the late 60s and early 70s, there was a renewal that went across America among a lot of hippies and peace people and flower children. How many of you, how many of you were one? Okay, 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 yeah. yeah. But you remember that. Some of you remember that. It was a big move of God, and it was messy, and we had all these hippies coming to church. And I'll never forget as a kid, you know, I was just a kid. And I, I, I remember seeing... Mike and Sally ride into our church on his big chopper, which I loved as a nine-year-old. I'm like, oh, man. And he comes rolling in there. It was loud. She has on this short little jean skirt uh, uh, and, and, and a halter top, brawless, just, just not really your typical church pastor's wife uh, look. And, uh, and, and, and they, they, came, they came in, and they were coming to Grand Junction to basically sell drugs. And, and they came, and God got a hold of their heart. And that night, I was sitting on the second row, right where you guys are sitting. I watched them stand up. This is a guy who had long black hair all the way down to here, and jeans and the big Harley wallet with a chain, you know, that hung down. And he gets up, and they, they come down, and they both kneel at that altar and just start sobbing. It was like God just was talking to them. And I remember sitting there as a kid going, wow, what is happening? I saw my dad and others come around them and begin praying over them. And he gets up and he said, i got to go to my, this is like a 6'8 monster man. And he goes, i got to get to my bike. And I'm like, don't get a gun. You know, I, I was scared. I was like, I've got to get to my bike. And he goes back to his bike and he comes out with all these drugs. These saddlebags on his back were just filled with drugs. And they were going to start a whole drug thing going on. And I still remember 
watching my dad and a few of the deacons and leaders in the church get up with Mike and Sally and went back to the men's restroom. And I heard, thank God for big toilets in churches. They were flushing those drugs right down the toilet. And I got to tell you this, I was talking about this this morning in the first service, and I got this text. This is funny. This is this is hilarious. Another option. This is from our city manager. <laughs> Don't dump drugs down the toilet or sink. It messes with our water waste treatment systems and ultimately pollutes the river with bad stuff. Take it to the police building down this road. We'll take it with no questions. Or how about Timberline becomes a drug take-back site for the community? I love it. So bring your drugs up here right now and put them right here on, on the altar. We're starting today. Well, this was in the day before we had all that. And we flushed them. So there you go. But I still remember... And, and I watched this couple transform over time. No one sat them down and said, you need to wear something different. No one sat them down and said, you need to cut your hair or shave or, or whatever. Why? Because you're not the holiness police. Why don't we let the Spirit do that stuff? Why don't we let the Spirit convict people of the real things they need to find conviction in and transform them transform them by the what renewing of their mind why don't we do that then we have hope and we have heart all these things happen number three man i've got to hurry where should my passion come from paul he was a passionate guy before he knew god so this is part of his personality dna you got to understand that but here's where his passion came from to reach people with the gospel. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I love this verse. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. Man, if that can drive you, if that can be your motivation today, then wow, what a life changer that is. What are you passionate about? Like if I said, give me your, your two top two or three things that you're most passionate about in your life. I wonder what they would be. I want you to think about that. As a kid, I was passionate. I don't know where this came from, but I just found at 8 or 9 or 10 years old, I just hated litter. I hated to see people throwing trash out their car window. It drove me crazy, especially like cigarette butts. If you throw, I know, I know no one in here smokes, but I'm just saying, <laughs> kidding. People sometimes say, do you think smoking will keep you out of heaven? I'm like, no. It's, it's going to get you there a lot sooner. <laughs> so it's not necessarily a good habit, right? Right? But you know what? Don't throw your cigarette butts out the window. It drove me crazy as a kid. I don't know why. I don't think I was taught that. I, I, just, I just didn't like it. Still to this day, like even now, my heart is racing because I'm, I'm just seeing someone. Do not throw your cigarette butts out the window if you smoke. I'm just waiting for a revelation from God to like put a. 
I don't know why that was a passion for me and, and still is. I don't like litter. But I think there are bigger things, bigger causes that you and I can have passion for, like letting people know the truth about who God really is. Because I'm telling you, people believe a lot of lies about God. God is wonderful. God is kind. He's the father you could never have on this earth. Don't hate him. Don't blame him for everything. Because he's a God who did not create all the evil in this world. In some ways, unfortunately, he gave man a choice. And boy, did we blow it. Number four. There's power in focusing on your future. There's real power in focusing on your future. You know, especially rather than your past. And this is that passage that we quote all the time. It's one of my favorites. I love this. Verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already achieved perfection. He's pretty humble about this, though he's done a lot, accomplished a lot. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. There's a little play on words there. I'm not quitting. I'm moving forward. He started this in me. I'm going to continue it. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I'm not there yet, but boy, am I moving that direction. Oh, I know I hurt people. I know I arrested people. I have a shame blanket on my past. Satan reminds me of it every single day. But guess what? I am not staying there. I am going this way. The past cannot hold me from my future. Boy, some of you need to hear that and get a hold of that and stop living under the shame blanket of what Satan is trying to keep you from. Because your future is awesome, but you got to go there. Let the wind blow. Get the sail up. Get out of that mess. You say, but you don't understand. I wrecked someone's life. I shouldn't have been. True. Are we good now? True. You can't change that. Are we good? Then let's go. Let's go. That's why Paul says this. He lived this out. Say, well, I just don't have his energy. I don't have his personality. I don't have, I don't have. Well, maybe the Spirit of God has just enough to give you the courage and boldness to get up and move forward. Because you staying where you are, stuck in your past, isn't going to help anybody anywhere anytime soon. God is calling you out of that. He has a better plan for you. Don't live in the past. Keep my eyes on the goal and move in the right direction. This stuff really does matter. Number five. I'm just going here, here's to, the, here's the reality of the, the, the wind and the sail. Two steps forward, one step back. We, we say that sometimes, but it's better than two steps back, one step forward. <laughs> Would you agree? So in our humanness, let, let's just read verse 15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress 
we've already made. So, so it's kind of like this. One, two, one, one, two, one, one, two, one. Let's stand and do it. One, two. You see, what happens there is I'm still moving forward. I just, I just go back. Every now and then in my life, I, I go, oh, why, did I, why did I say that? I mean, I would be embarrassed to tell you some of my hiccups when I stepped back and I, I was frustrated and I just, my flesh won and I shouldn't have said that to my wife or I was angry at this situation. And so what? I stepped back. I'm not going to live there and go, I'm dead. I'm dead. I can't do it. No, you go, sorry, Lord. I know better, knew better. You got to try that. It's fun. That's a new thing in my life. <laughs> you guys, we're not going to agree on everything in our world. Okay, you answer the question. Bernie or Donald? <laughs> Woo! Jesus, give me Jesus. Oh. It's a challenge. Apple or Android? How many of you are Android people? Oh, okay, a lot of you. How many Apple people? Oh, that wins. Sorry, Androids. <laughs> Should we fight over that? I saw a funny billboard said this. If the company Apple built a car, would it have Windows? <laughs> if you don't get that, I'm not going to explain it. It's just too good. I love getting around ranchers and farmers and like just throwing out a bomb. Like thinking of a truck, like should I buy a Ford, a Chevy, a Dodge? Boom! All of a sudden, everybody's in an argument. You know, or what's even worse is like a tractor, Ferguson, John Deere, Kubota. What do you, and everyone has an opinion. Why? Their experience, their preference. What they like and why. It's all based. Your whole life is summed up by your experiences and your relationships. All of it. Everything. Think about that. Jesus comes along and says, hand me the keys. And we go, yeah, but I, I got this stuff in the trunk. And he goes, yeah, yeah believe me, I know. <laughs> why don't you let me drive? Why don't you put up a sail, set the GPS, then we know the direction, but why don't you let me in charge of the wind? And I'll take you at the speed of relationship. Because that's where the power is. And that's where God wants us with all these crazy things in America right now. All these challenges. Three things I want you to focus on this week. These are really quick pretty simple, but I think they could be profound if you take this seriously. I mean it. Number one is, where does my identity actually come from? Where does my identity come from? Am I, is my identity because I'm the pastor of, of, of Timberline Church, or I'm Bonnie's husband, or I'm the father of three children? Where, where is my identity? I'm a follower of Jesus. See, all of these things, there, there's tons of things that, that are part of my identity. 
But your identity needs to be defined by your relationship with the Lord. And if you, if you don't like who you are, it's because maybe you've messed up, maybe you've done things you can change, but the bottom line is you are a son, a daughter, created in the image of God. That's a pretty big statement. It's pretty hard to fight against that one. Now, you may have messed it up. We all have. But it's still your identity. Let him renew that in you. Don't believe what everyone else says about who you are. The second thing is, what am I pursuing? Because this defines my future. What are you chasing after today? Think about that. Because if it's just materialism or some tangible thing, all that's fleeting. It's not going to last. But if you can get something powerful that you're chasing, like the purposes of God in your life, and you know what those are, and you start defining those, wow, you're going to like where you're going because God's going to put some wind in that sail. Last thing, number three. I wish I could put this in your brain forever. Slow progress is better than no progress. Our culture doesn't let us live this or breathe this. It's like, do it now. Buy it now. How many ads say, sale ends in two days. Get down there now. Call us now. Number on the screen. There's limited time. I avoid those. If you're in such a hurry, then it must not be such a deal. I need to just stop and say, Lord, what is your timetable? <sighs> a lifetime of slow but it's better than no progress. And God says, by the way, I have eternity. God doesn't have specials or sales where it's now or never. I grew up with a false understanding. The rapture's gonna happen tomorrow. I'm like, I wanna get married first. Nope, Jesus is coming. I almost quit Bible school because Jesus was coming. When are you coming? Let him take you with the progress, with the wind in your sail. You've set the course. You know the direction. Say yes. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for this moment that we can share with each other that is truly ordained by you. If you're stuck in the past, and that blanket of shame has held you down. Today is your day to get that thing off of you. I mean it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to take a stand. By just not, you don't have to stand up physically, but I want you right now, I'm just going to pray blessing over you. In the mighty name of Jesus, that your past will be forgiven and you can move on. Lift your hand if that's you right now. In Jesus' name, we rebuke that. We move forward from that. It is behind us put our sail up, we move forward from this day on.
in the mighty name of Jesus we say it and we receive it Lord and lastly for the rest of you I just want to say pick carefully where you want to go this is worthy of some time and some thought where am I going what am I chasing chase God first chase the Lord and let him put the wind in your sail to get to the right place at the right time if you're you're not a follower of Jesus right now just tell him I want to be a follower of you I can't do it I can't earn it there's nothing you can do to become more special you're special because you're created by him and he knows you so just yield to him and say yes Lord I follow you I give you my life and my future Amen. Amen.